All right, you guys, we have some exciting news that we want to share with you. If you are hearing this, that means that my book is now available and it is free. We just ask that you pay shipping. We have a limited number of them, so get over there and check it out right now at it's not you, it's me book.com. Again, it's not you. It's me book.com. We really want you guys to be bold and join us on this journey to self love. And as you do so, this book and my journal that you can pick up with the book will help you do that. So go check it out and get your free book today. This is a masculine trait that I'm attracted to. Okay. It's a masculine trait that I would love to develop in myself. And I work towards a goal of developing that. And another one was. Auto mechanics, you know, I didn't know a dang thing about cars and how to work on them. And I found it attractive when a guy did, you know, when he could do manly stuff. So I bought a, we bought an old Volkswagen bus. The turd. The turd. That's what it was called? (laughs) No, it was called Toby. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. So we are picking up where we left off talking about our progression in Colorado Springs, right? Yeah, we're going to pick up where we left off, wherever that was. (laughs) Do we know where that was? I don't remember. We should have re-listened to an episode. Oh, I re-listened to them several times, but I don't even remember where we were. I think we had mostly just talked a lot about... The support groups. And we didn't get a lot of... And specifically the 12-step addiction program, or that, that group. We didn't get real much into anything else. So how about we talk just a little bit about just our life in general in Colorado Springs. So I was working as director of sales for that hotel. Yeah. Jessica, Um, were you working? No. I was just home with Penny. Not even like side gigs or anything? No, I had some side gigs. What were they? I got really into my sewing stuff when we lived there. It was the first time we'd had like a whole room I could designate to sewing. And Steve... So we were just having a debate about this. (laughs) Because Jessica claims that she's not artistic. In her book, she says, I'm not artistic. And I was like, Jessica, you're totally artistic. You make the most amazing Halloween costumes. So what is the definition of artistic? To me, that's art. It could be considered art. I consider myself more creative than artistic. I'm not like a, I can't draw things out. I can't paint. I don't do those type of things. And I granted. But you can look at an outfit someone's wearing and be like, yeah, I could sew that for you. Two sizes smaller in a different shade. (laughs) Almost. Maybe not that good. (laughs) I feel like you are. Matt's rolling his eyes at me too. Yep. I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit. I'm not saying that I don't have like, an artistic creative side. I'm just like specifically, I can't draw, I can't paint, and I'm okay with that. I don't need to be good at all those things. All right. So when you read that part of Jessica's book, just know what she means is she's not a drawer or a painter. <laughs> but she's an artiste. An artiste. I'm a creative. She's right. a creator. So at that point I got into sewing. I was sewing a lot of like dolls, a lot of You're selling the hat hairs. <laughs> I forgot about this. We made Penny these hats that looked like hair and we'd put bows and headbands on them. Steve always joked that if our baby was bald, he was going to put a wig on him. So because one time, every American baby yeah. comes out like bald and pale. and yeah. She's Belizean. She is. <laughs> she's, she's born in this country where every other baby in existence <laughs> comes out with dark skin and this beautiful head of black hair. So that's why I always joked about if Penny was bald, we were going to make her wear a wig. And so as a joke, when we were out of town, I made her one. (laughs) Yes. And then when Steve, when we picked him up from the airport, Penny had like this head of short, curly blonde hair. Yeah, it was just fabric that looked, legitimately looked like hair. (laughs) And I about died laughing. You have a picture of this? Oh, I've got pictures. I sold them. We had tons of pictures. And everywhere we went. This is my side gig. Penny would wear these all the time. And anywhere we went, people would be like, oh my gosh, your baby's hair. That's amazing. (laughs) Sometimes when she had on black ones, people legit thought it was her hair. Really? It was so weird. People are weird. But they were really fun. You created that really well then. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You're a good creator. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, I did stuff like that on the side. Steve had a balloon animal gig for a I while did. in Colorado Springs. I did balloon animals a couple times at like okay. the little street fair things. I'd go just set up a little. We saw somebody doing it somewhere, and I'm like, dude, look at this. There's a line of like ten kids all the time in front of them, and every parent is giving them like a five dollar bill as a tip. I'm like, he's got to be making like two hundred bucks an hour. And he was. Steve found and out. And so was I when I did it. <laughs> we so also you have, do that anymore? I know, we I really also should. have a picture of this where the whole basement floor in the house we were in in Colorado was covered in balloon animals. Like Steve <laughs> pumping out. And Penny's like in the middle. Like you can just see her little oh, yeah. head sticking out. But well, there are balloon animals and dolls everywhere. That was just for practice? Just for practice. Because you had to learn how to make them. He had oh, a very limited array of <laughs> And then we did them once for scouts or something, and we made... Swords. We, put, we did a balloon hat. It was made oh, of, yeah. like, 20 different balloons, and we put it on one of our yeah. friend's one-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So those were the type stuff. of things I did. And that's when I did start getting into Halloween costumes for Penny. Penny Penny's had, had a homemade... Handmade Halloween costume of her choosing every year. Is there a difference between homemade and handmade? I like the word handmade. (laughs) (laughs) Hand sewn, hand created. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Some years, two outfits because she couldn't make up her mind if she was going to (gasps) be. That's only if it's just Penny. One year I made her two two outfits. Remember one year she was Dorothy and Hello Dolly? I don't remember this. Oh. Yeah, I figured I could slide it. It wasn't that long ago. You saw it, but it was like two years Mm. ago. So, yeah. By the way, I keep forgetting to ask you. Penny and I have decided what we're being for Halloween, and I was going to buy a costume online, but Penny said, no, Mom is going to make it for you. Oh. <laughs> I am, huh? So, I was going to talk to you. and Well, if we're going I to, we need was, to make plans. Well, I'm happy to buy Dumbledore. one. Dumbledore. And you're going to charge him your hourly rate. Right. <laughs> Probably cost me more to have you make it, then. Depends what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. Carrying on. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> that was a source of contention. In okay, the so so the you sewing? had yeah, it was just the sewing room. The sewing room. Steve couldn't handle the mess. Between it was, you it and was Steve? a disaster. Yeah. It was a mess. Like I, you've just, seen how it gets when I'm in the middle of sewing. Yeah, I yeah. just had to not go in that room because if I ever did, it led to the an other argument. thing was I had a kid in there with me. Who's going through and like pulling thread out and buttons and I just let her because I didn't care and it kept her entertained for hours. So it was a big mess. Yeah. So I just never went in there. That was the resolution to that problem. How did you how did you react to his um living room full of balloons? Oh, I thought it was fun. <laughs> out of control. So these were your side gigs. These were our side gigs. And I did my side gig like twice. So <laughs> were you financially strapped or was it just out of boredom? It, it was tight. That house, yeah. the rent on that house was a little higher than. Do you remember how than much we it would was? have liked? Just I don't. But, but we, we did move at some point because we got a cheaper. We apartment. also had like ten percent going into well, ten percent to church, ten percent to travel, ten percent to savings, and then whatever was left was what we lived on. Well, and I think we were still. Paying for somebody's mission. Somebody's mission, yeah. We, I don't think at that point we were. Okay, when we that were in Boise. Time. Yeah. Okay. That was earlier. So we had like, I mean, we that was, we were fine is what I'm saying is we had these different things that we were putting money towards that took up part of our income. But it, but was, it was fun. But, it was, but like it, I mostly did craft shows and stuff around the holidays. And so it was nice because it paid for Christmas gifts and different things. And I think that even happened when you and I were married. Like. Yeah. Random amounts of little bit of income from my sewing jobs. She's talking about me, when Matt, Matt and I, sorry, when Matt and I were married. Yeah. Which I continue are, to We're sew. still married. You are married. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get made fun of a lot tonight. <laughs> she almost was falling asleep as we were pre recording. <laughs> I was well, falling asleep. You were yeah. almost ready to throw our little microphone thing across the room. Yep. Trying to get this recording system to work. Yeah, it's not working. So good job to both of you. Thank Jessica, you. you for not falling asleep. Matt, for you not ruining our recording equipment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's kind of what we were doing in Colorado Springs. We also at this time got into, Steve got into biking a lot more. Mm-hmm. There was tons of mountain biking Which, Steve, around. you were on a bike this last weekend. And so were you, Jess. Right. We did. Oh, yeah. We did a triathlon. She, she already forgot, folks. We did a triathlon <laughs> on Saturday. Matt was our cheerleader. Yep. 
Okay. Penny and I and Steve did the try. We did. We it was getting... a super mini little sprint triathlon, a penny-sized triathlon. And I wasn't even going to do it. Hank was signed up to do it and bailed so last minute. Like, as Penny and I were loading up in the car to go to the triathlon is when you said, hey, Hank's out, he's not doing it. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do it in this place. <laughs> so you did. <laughs> so I grabbed my swimsuit and we did it. Yeah. So back to the story. You got into <laughs> riding bikes. That's riding bikes, running. Those became a big part of our life during this time. And were very much therapy for both of us. We started doing a lot of Ragnars, which yeah. are those uh, relay races, 200 miles, 12 people split into uh, two different vans. They're like 24 to 32 hour races. In awesome, beautiful places in the country, like up. How many of those did you do while you were in Colorado? Three. Okay, so so we've done. Did you do them with friends Friends. that you made in Colorado? Other friends from Idaho? No, friends from Colorado. We really had a great group of friends in Colorado, which was really nice. I mean, we had just come from Belize, where we felt super isolated, and it was so nice to go to Colorado and feel like we had a big support at church. Like there was a lot of people in our congregation. We were very involved. It was really fun. And then a lot of friends that we made in Colorado they with did similar interests, and it was a, fun. A bunch of the Colorado people did one this week. Did you see that on social media? No. Yeah, somebody posted. Jealous. But super fun races. And yeah, very much a time in our lives where fitness and our physical activity level was a huge part of what we were focusing on. And, and how did it you was, get focused on that? Well, we did it a lot together. It was like free entertainment. Right. Like we could go run together and we had fun together and or we'd go run with friends and it was fun. So it was like a free social outing basically. And Penny was in a running stroller? Yeah, I'd just yeah. take her in the jogger. Yeah, we had a couple of different and a bike trailer. Okay. Yep. I look back and think I carried her in that bike trailer when she was way too little to be riding in a bike trailer. <laughs> and probably like, way too big. <laughs> <I know. laughs> No, not not recently? No, she hasn't been in a bike trailer in a while. I don't even have one anymore. But yes, I did haul her around in a bike trailer until she was... <laughs> anyway. And that really, I mean, it was just a good confidence booster for both of us. Well, and it was part of the workbook that I worked through, through this, this the Evergreen group that we talked about a couple episodes ago, which was the support group for gay Mormons who are trying to manage their homosexual attractions and stay on the straight and narrow. I had a workbook that you would go through and, you know, basically was supposed to like help you get to know yourself and like. So what was in this workbook? The things that I really remember, and I wanted to try and track it down. I, I thought I had kept it, but, but I couldn't find it the other I way. I looked but. for mine too. Mine was from a different group, but I tried to find mine and I think I checked it shortly But a couple after. of things that really, s- that I remember. Out of anger? Did you check no, it? No, just out of like <laughs> not. Hey, who was going to check something tonight out of anger, Matt? Huh? <laughs> this was out of letting go. It was a time to let go. And you probably did the same thing as my guest. Like it was. A it was very therapeutic. Letting like, go, to let like go. to throw it away was like, oh. I've moved on. Oh, I meant throwing it out. <laughs> <laughs> that was too at the time, but I'm saying later. Because Matt asked me if I threw it away in anger. No, oh. it was not in anger. Okay. Anyways, so tell us about in the therapy. workbook. In therapy. So a couple of things that stood out to me, and I guess part of this was from a different book too, but like one of the concepts was... You are attracted to men that possess the traits that you're envious of. So if you, in theory, if you develop those traits in yourself, your attraction to other men that have those traits diminishes. So in this workbook, one of the things you would do was you would make a long list of traits that you consider masculine. And then you would identify, is this a trait that you see in yourself? Is this a trait that you would like to develop in yourself? And if so, how are you going to do that? So a couple of things that I identified was I'm a leg guy. (laughs) So I liked guys with runner's calves and big quads from cycling and mountain biking. And, you know, I know the type of the body type of guy that I was attracted to. And so I tried to develop that myself. So I became more of a cyclist and a mountain biker and a runner. And Okay. So you tried to develop that in yourself. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And I mean, look at these legs, Matt. <laughs> look at them. <laughs> he shoves them I'm glad this face. is just a recording and not, not video. <laughs> oh, we're going to take pictures of legs after this. All three of our legs. You know, I kind of... <laughs> that I posted pictures 
of me and Penny at the triathlon. Yeah. I heard from quite a few people that said, wow, nice legs. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. You accomplished your goal. Right, right, Good work. Right. But that was something I worked towards. I identified it as this is a masculine trait that I'm attracted to. Okay. It's a masculine trait that I would love to develop in myself, and I work towards a goal of developing that. And another one was auto mechanics. You okay. know, I didn't know a dang yeah. thing about cars and how to work on them, and I found it attractive when a guy did, you know, when he could do manly stuff. So I bought a... We bought an old Volkswagen bus. The turd. The turd. That's what it was called? <laughs> no, it was called Toby. I called it the turd. It was brown. Why did you call it the turd? It was, it was dark brown. brown. It was dark brown. It looked like a turd. But it was so freaking cool. It was the Riviera How get pop its top. Name? Toby then. Okay, so if we had had a boy, I really <laughs> wanted to name it Toby when we had a kid, you know. When <laughs> So and Jessica was like, under no circumstances will we ever have a son named Toby. Which and is I'm funny because like, I like the name Toby now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, fine, if I don't get to name our child that, then I'm going to name my Volkswagen bus. Because you have to name your bus. If you can have an old Volkswagen bus, it has to have a name. Okay. I didn't know We that. had two. We had Linus was the orange one. And that was Boise. your first one? Yeah. yeah. And then we had Toby in Colorado Springs. But Jessica did call him the turd. Fairly often. You jerk. So you bought a Volkswagen bus to become masculine. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? I've always thought that was kind of funny, too. That's funny. I had never thought about that aspect of it. <laughs> well, I, well, come on, though. They're freaking cool. No, but cool. you could work on it. And yeah. Cool. But this so is I bought the thing. bus, and then I bought three different versions of the, the mechanics manual for that bus, and I would have all three of them laid out. One in Spanish, one in French, <laughs> and one in English. That's kind of what it seemed like, because I don't know what the heck they were saying. But usually if I had all three books laid out to okay. whatever that chapter was on how to fix a whatever. <laughs> You've learned yeah, a lot. so much, right? So masculine. <laughs> <laughs> but I did all the work on it myself. and Was that therapeutic for you? It was incredibly therapeutic. It was. I loved it. And that's what I would do every weekend was fix whatever had broken on the bus during the week. <laughs> Is that why you called it the turd? Because it took all of his time? No. I know I supported him in these things. I felt it was very important to understand who you were. And I knew the more Steve accepted and loved himself for who he was, the more stable and okay he would be in whatever life he chose. And I think that's the thing, like you saying that <laughs> the Volkswagen wasn't masculine. But... It was something Steve loved, and it made I, me happy that he could embrace that part of him, like that he yeah. accepted that and that and he I, loved it. I seriously loved it. Like, have you ever driven a Volkswagen bus? I have. I have. Tell me it just was not like, <laughs> tell me it didn't just, <laughs> tell me it didn't just make you happy. Like, sitting behind that big <sighs> steering wheel that's like turned, you know, it's like a horizontal steering wheel, and you're like turning it hand over hand, like, like <laughs> He was driving a school bus. I Do you freaking remember, love it. We have a video of Penny. Do you remember yes. that sound? You just made that <laughs> that the bus makes that sound. Yeah. And Penny's Penny? sitting in there dancing, like rocking out to the sound of the bus. It is so funny. She's like It's here. a Sunday morning. She's in yep. her church dress. Yep. But that girl could not resist the urge to dance to a beat. You would hear any beat, like you just tap your hand and she would just instinctively start like rocking out in her high chair or whatever. <laughs> So, she's just dancing away to the sound of the Volkswagen's engine. There was also one day where Steve was working, I don't know if it was on the bus, but he was working out in the garage on something, and he had Penny strapped, do you remember this? Yeah. Into the baby Bjorn on his chest, and he's cutting something. You were hanging the tennis balls to mark where to park the cars. The thing you hang in your garage. And he comes in, and he's bleeding. He's cut his finger wide open, and he's like... Cut it to the bone. There's the like bone. a flap of finger hanging he's off. He's like, and there's... you got to get Penny. Like, take her out of the thing. Because he's going to pass out. Like, <laughs> this the whole piece. only reason he didn't pass out is because Penny was in that thing. And he knew he had to get her out before he blacked out. Oh, dear. <laughs> so we got Penny out. And you I was would have so thought mad. maybe the time that I thought about getting Penny out was when I decided to grab a knife and start poking holes in things. But yes. no. I was like, stop. <laughs> but at least she's fine. Didn't matter. Yeah. She was fine. We got Steve some stitches. Mm-hmm. I had that all written in one of my journals the other day, too, about how it all worked out just fine. And I was grateful you were okay. We got, Penny, learned, got you to the hospital. Don't use sharp objects while you're carrying your baby. 
That's a good lesson to learn. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Steve. Yeah, you learned it. Right. So going back to this workbook, you just brought up that you bought a Volkswagen bus to become more masculine. <laughs> to learn a trait that I trait. found very desirable. Was and there anything remember. else in this workbook that you thought yes. or that you remember? Well, and let me add to that. These, like, learning to work on a bus and, like, becoming a better cyclist and mountain biker and runner, those things were so incredibly fulfilling because when there's this huge part of my life that I cannot control, having aspects of my life that I am in control of, that I do see results from, that I can work towards and see those results, that was huge. It was so therapeutic to have things that I was in control of. And because I could not control. When was the last time you went through this kind of thing? Like, have you implemented what you've learned from that experience into other aspects of your life recently? I'm just curious. No, Matt, because when we find something that works really well, we quit doing it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how we all are? (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) I don't know that I've consciously, consciously made an effort to do that, but I still very much find fulfillment in saying, I want to learn that and going after it. And yeah, well, and I think, I think, for example, was it yesterday that you went for a a run in the foothills Mm -hmm. to the top of a mountain? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And almost died. (laughs) Yeah. Almost died again. (laughs) Take water on that trail, people. I bought you a hydration belt. I know, but it bounces all over. You got to get used to to it. it. Or you're going to die when you're running. It's like having a huge booty, like bouncing around back there. But what I was saying was, I think that you wanted to conquer a mountain yesterday, and yes, you did. and I did. And how did it feel? It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I have watched Steve develop through from this point that we're talking about, especially on just knowing him. It's definitely like become a drive, I think, for you to try new things and discover things about yourself that mm-hmm. you normally wouldn't have or you would have been nervous to because you would have been scared of what somebody else thought about Mm -hmm. that and that's awesome like watching different things you've tried or different things you've done and not being scared because you're worried about what other people are going to think yeah so speaking of other people and worrying about what they think at this time in your relationship were you were you receiving any pressure or i don't know from your extended families like your parents did your parents know Steve was gay at this point? No. No. But I, his but Steve's my mom was mom. the only one who knew. So the only person in our extended family that knew was Steve's mom. And my parents knew there was pornography stuff going on. I was trying to remember when I told them. I that. think it was about the same time you told your mom. Yeah. Just about a year before we got divorced. We didn't so, tell them I was gay, but I did no. tell them hey, I got some issues with some pornography. Yes. Yes. And How did that conversation go? I don't remember the specifics of when or where, but I do remember the overall feeling of relief that Craig and Kathy knew this about me, and they were very supportive and appreciative of the fact that I confided in them and that I was that I was making efforts to handle it in a way that that still maintained a good relationship with their daughter, and it was a very positive thing. Yeah. Me, me telling them and their response, whatever their response was, it was it was positive. Yeah. So that was also during this time you were in Colorado. Yeah. Yes. And there were like a few of our friends that knew we went to the support groups. Mm-hmm. There was only one couple that knew Steve went to the same gender attraction group as well. That's what it was called. Oh yeah, the that same just like came group. off my tongue. Oh, right. SGA, same gender attraction. Oh my gosh. is what they called it. It's like a blast from the past. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I haven't I haven't called it that for years. Yeah, that evergreen group was SGA, same yeah. gender attraction. But you know, do you know how that conversation went? Because that I do remember very specifically. Telling our friends. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. was the guy that I always carpooled with to and from the other group, the pornography addiction group. He and I would always carpool. And I got, oh, I was into yoga at this point, too. I'd forgotten. In Colorado Springs, I got really big into hot yoga. Loved it. Freaking awesome. So that was so super therapeutic. That was very therapeutic. When I I just had, like, internal turmoil and just super stressed out and just felt like I was a mess inside, I would go to hot yoga. And, yes, there were great physical aspects of it, but the, the mental side of it and the emotional side, just, like, choosing an intention and, like, clearing your thoughts and, I mean... Anyone who's done yoga knows the mental side of it, and that was huge. I would just leave there 
feeling like a new man. So I would do hot yoga five days a week. Anyway, I'm driving back from this pornography addiction group with my buddy. <laughs> and he's like, dude, how do you freaking do it? How do you go in one of those yoga studios and all the girls in there in their yoga pants and their sports bras and they're bending over and they're stretching and they're lifting their legs and they're so it's just like, dude, I know you and I have the same issue with porn. How do you handle that scenario? And I'm like, well, we have the same issue with porn, but not the same kind of porn. Yeah. You told him that? Yeah, I told him. How do you take that? Uh, he was surprised, super shocked, and I don't think he knew how to handle it, but... But they were some of our best friends. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. I mean, it was fine and it was good. And it was, I mean, it was the first time I had like very casually told someone. From that point on, did he treat you any different? No, it actually, it, it actually helped our helped relationship. relationship. I mean, he knew that much more of me. and It was nice to have friends that actually knew. It was. <laughs> and that's like one of the things too that I kept hoping for Steve is if we stayed married, that he would be able to tell more and more people because that was one of his struggles is feeling like, they're not going to love me, which we've kind of talked about, yeah. if they knew this about me. And I wanted him to see that people were still going to love him. It didn't change who he was. It didn't change anything about where we were at at that point. And do you remember one day we had a bunch of our friends over at our house. We're sitting in the front room. Mm -hmm. And one of them said, I'm reading this book right now that is just blowing my mind. It's by a gay Mormon who has a wife, he's active in the church, he has a calling, he's chosen not to act on his homosexual desires. But he's like, I just, he's like, it never even occurred to me that there were people out there in the church, in our wards that struggle with that. And I just, he's like, I cannot imagine what that must be like and how hard life must be for him and what an incredible, what an incredible person he must be yeah. choosing to live this righteous lifestyle in spite of the fact that he's gay. And Jessica, you just like looked at me, just gave me a look like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but, <laughs> but that was probably, fascinating probably a, to hear. A like look a look of, hey, I'm pretty proud of you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it was kind of a preview of like, this is someone I could be out to, so to speak, because they just flat out said what their views are on someone who's gay but chooses to stay in the church and in their marriage. Yeah, that probably felt good. I remember sitting in that living room with friends so often. Right. That's funny. On that couch that Matt and I have in our living room, in our family room. <laughs> yeah. It's a different color now, but yeah, same couch. Reupholstered. There were a lot of intense things that happened during that time. You traveled occasionally for work. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And those were hard times. Yeah. Why was traveling hard? I mean, you know, when you're out of town and you're alone and you're in a foreign city with people that you don't really have to be accountable to. I mean, you're not you going to run into just, somebody, you know, like just in general, if people are going to stray from their normal path, they tend to do it when they're out of town on travel for work. Right. I mean, isn't that kind of a common? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Common temptation, so to speak. Yeah. It was very hard for me to be away from Jessica. Jessica was my safe spot. Jessica was my foundation. Like, so when you'd go to out of town, <clears throat> like, would you go astray? Yeah. You just, I remember like one time you calling me after you'd been out that night and like, hey, I ended up in like the gay part of town. In freaking LA. In LA. <laughs> like, <laughs> like West Hollywood or somewhere. Yes. Like, we drove through that two weeks ago. Yeah, we did. So exactly. You, I'm sure that's where it was. Stop. It's a pretty fun place. <laughs> <laughs> we actually were there with the kids. <laughs> Not this time, but two years ago. Yeah. And it was kind of that same area, just walking the stars, you know, the whatever it's called. I was constantly, like, just blown away at how easy it was, how often something would just drop right, some opportunity to stray yeah. would just fall right in my lap. And it was just, you know, and I don't know that I see it this way now, but back then I, I viewed it as, like, Satan's dropping a temptation right in front of me, like... So the, the, I mean, those. So you called Jessica as your West Hollywood. You're after. In, oh, after you were. It, after. I wasn't while he was there. <laughs> but there were a lot of things that happened during that time. He didn't have an affair. He didn't cheat on me or anything, but just put himself in situations that were not ideal. And situations that, that I didn't want to put myself in. At least 
part of the... the Very torn. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, there was a part of me that desperately wanted to be in those situations. And then there was a part of me that wanted to stay as far away from them as I possibly could because I knew that they were the situation, that they were the brink, that they were yeah. the, the edge of the cliff where I could so easily fall off. And this is where it was important for me to have Steve realize that he could just tell me, like, this is what happened. This is where I ended up. And for me to know that he was telling me the truth. And so I didn't have like this made up thing in my head of what actually happened. Well, and also I could trust him. Yeah, it was like I needed to confess so that I wouldn't go do it again. Like, yeah, you know, you were holding yourself accountable. Yeah. It wasn't me like prying or like forcing you to tell me these like, things. Like, where, where were you last night? What did you do yeah. last night? Yeah. It was... Because I never did that. Like, it wasn't my drive. If Steve wanted to tell me, then he could tell me. I could tell when something was wrong or something had happened by how he was acting. And I could tell when you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> we could all tell. I couldn't tell. <laughs> but that's, I think, where a lot of people get hung up in these situations. They can both tell something's wrong. But they're not willing to address it, either side. Or they address it with something else. They like, I'm going to get pissed off about this I'm gonna instead. Be, yeah, and I'm going to be passive aggressive. And I'm yes. Gonna, yeah. yes, and we did those that occasionally, like trying to get there. But we've often just, at this point, we'd gotten to the point where we both knew it was just easier to say what had happened and be able to discuss it. And work through it. And work through it. And you were so good about... Letting me do that on my time instead of insisting, yeah, I know something's up. Tell me now. Like, yeah. you didn't push that. You very much let me be ready to say it. And that was an important part of that was knowing you could feel that I was trusting you, yeah, to do that, to tell me. Right. And the more trust you felt from me, I knew <clears throat> the more you would open up to me and actually trust me, right? So, I remember some. So, we lived in a house when we first moved there, we rented a house. And then because, because we decided it wasn't worth the money to be spending this much money on a house, we moved we into this tiny, tiny, tiny yeah. apartment. We went like... from a three-bedroom, two-car garage, <laughs> living room and family room. Three-bathroom house. Yeah, to a itty-bitty living space. <laughs> <laughs> With no garage. With no garage. No garage. So did you stop Just... working on Toby? We sold, we sold Toby. Toby. Toby was a money pit. Toby would be worth like $30,000 now. I should have kept him. But I sold him for $35,000. Time and a place. Right. Yeah. So we moved into this little apartment. And I remember just having a lot of intense talks yes. in that apartment. That apartment. Night. That was like that, where Steve began to trust me. That's like the really overall sentiment me. I have when I think of that space. Yeah. Like that apartment is... Really heavy conversations. Yeah. <laughs> what were the heavy conversations like? About these, like specifically about what happened when Steve went on work trips, and like, and then also just his feelings of. How often would you go on work trips? Not very often. It was like. There were probably yeah. two. Three. I think there was more than that. There so, question time. question for you, Jessica. Do you ever worry about? Because I go on work trips quite often. Yeah. Like every other week, I'm almost. And she's like, traveling. "Oh, Matt's sneaking off to West Hollywood." <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't even cross my mind. I do not worry about you being gone at all. So why is that? Like, how did you get over that? Like, I, I didn't have to get over that. I didn't have trust issues. I feel like I'm a very intuitive person and I can tell if there's something wrong. And I'm not always right. But for the most part, I trust those feelings. And I'm trusting how you act towards me. Like, I know you, Matt. Yeah. I know how you act. I know how you respond to me. And I can tell instantly when something's wrong with you, basically. You sure. don't believe that, but I no, know. I think I... You do now. Yeah. But, um... He might deny it, but he believes it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that knowledge of even if you were lying to me or doing something that I wasn't okay with, I don't have control over that. And I would have to wait for it either to come out or for you to tell me and then deal with it then. But I'm not going to... Your work is something you love. Yeah. And I'm not going to inhibit you doing that. Sometimes I love it. Yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you've worked hard. And right. it's something I feel like you should be proud of. And it's part of who you are and what you do. And I'm not going to be paranoid about you going on work trips. 
You've also never given her any reason to be paranoid. Never. I gave her lots of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and even when Steve left, I wasn't paranoid. Like, but, but I guess here's here's the other thing. Like with that though, Steve's like, there's a lot of attractive women, especially in L.A. Hollywood. Yeah, it goes <laughs> all, all the ways. The I mean, but, you can. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, you have to put up boundaries, right? And I guess that's what I've I've learned is yeah. Sure, there's those temptations, but a lot of times it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go to bed. <laughs> so sometimes when I go out on work trips, I'll go to bed at like nine. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I never felt like I had trust issues. And so I, I don't know, partially because Steve was honest with me, partially just because that's the way I am. Well, and you very much recognized that it's not worth stressing about something that you can't control. You no. can't control what I'm going to do. And at this point, I had read enough books. I had enough knowledge that I knew it was a very real possibility that Steve would have an affair. I knew it was a very real possibility our marriage would end. I wasn't delusional about any of these things. I didn't honestly probably think it would happen, but I knew if it did, it would be fine. We'd figure it out. And that I'd made a choice to stay in this marriage. And so I can't sit here and worry about it. Yeah, You have always had this incredible, just underlying ability, belief of... Whatever it is that happens, it will be okay. Yeah. I will get through this. That's something. It's always I'm, been super impressive to me. I'm trying to instill you. in my daughter, too. How's that saying go? Everything is going to be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. Yeah. See, I hate that saying, though. <laughs> because I'm not going to wait for the end for everything to be all right. Like, things are good now. Even in all of even the... Is, even when there's yeah. all of this stuff. Like, there is still joy and happiness and... I'd say that. Like, I I never really resonated with that. You used that once when we were in, like, the thick of something, and I literally wanted to punch you. (laughs) You did? Yes. Like, I was, and not really punch you, but, like, it just made me. Yeah, I bet she wanted to punch me. (laughs) So mad that, like, and not, like, necessarily mad at you, but just mad because I don't believe that's how life is. I believe you make the most of where you're at. Sure, it sucks sometimes, and it's hard, and you feel those things and let them you know, but that doesn't mean that there's not a better day tomorrow or there's not something to look forward to or there's not good in your life still. Well, yeah. And one of the major life lessons I learned during our time in Colorado Springs was that the people that you admire or look up to or think, wow, they have got the life. <laughs> they have got it figured out. They like, why are you laughing? Just finished, Steve. But then you find out that the reason they are that way is because they have been through the trenches, man. The trenches. I'm not supposed to say on this podcast, but they have been through Yeah. <laughs> because, like, then you find out that they're part of this 12-step addiction group and, you know, or that they're that they're on their second or third marriage. I don't know. I'm coming, giving dumb examples now, but just no, you, the people that are people that you look at and see, wow, I want to be like them. I want to be have that kind of confidence and that kind of happiness and that kind of relationship. They have been through crazy stuff and you just would never know it unless you really got to know them and knew their history right but that's the thing is all of us have yes and that is the whole point of like trying to be more open and sharing more things is that sure we have this pretty picture and that's real like steve and i were genuinely happy together like Mm -hmm. we genuinely loved and supported each other but that didn't mean we didn't have a ton of could have been, it could have been easy for someone to look at us and say, wow, Steve and Jessica have the perfect marriage. And they did. I heard that so many right. times from our Colorado friends when we were getting divorced. Oh my gosh, you guys were this perfect couple. You were so cute together. You were, you know, whatever. You're, and I'm like, that so was real. Connected. You were you communicated so well. You were so concerned about yeah. each other all the time. And we but, weren't trying to hide anything. But that's but, how great relationships are. Yeah. Yep. Not to say that they have this issue, but that... And I think it's funny because there's a lot of people in mine and Matt's church congregation that it's the same way that they do not realize that this is mine and Matt's second marriage. These are not all our kids. These are, you know, all of these things. Well, and then when they find out, they're like, what? Right. And then when Steve shows up at church and they're like, this is your gay ex-husband? I'm like, yes, this is my gay well, ex-husband. Yes, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Got bleach blonde hair. Sometimes it looks purple. (laughs) Okay, so one of the other things I keep thinking about in Colorado is, so you were going to this counselor, and one Mm -hmm. of the things was for us to try and embrace, 
like to have open conversations about the fact Steve was gay, which we did. Like mm-hmm. you and I together mm-hmm. had conversations about it all the time. But we like would point out guys at the grocery store yeah. that like turns out Jessica and I had pretty similar interests in guys. <laughs> yeah. And it was just something that didn't bother me at all. And it was yeah. actually kind of it bonding. Was, and it was good for me because this thing that was a temptation or a trigger or something that I was like internally struggling with. We could talk about it, and it was like laugh about it, and then move on. It kind of lost its do you think power over me? So it did just yes. a quick question out out there. Not that I believe this, but do you think that this possibly enabled? No, Steve. So that's further, something that people have brought up to me, like, "Oh, you were enabling him," or "Oh, you whatever." You let this happen, and you, I'm like, "No." You encouraged. There this. are two ways our marriage could have gone. I had four fingers up. (laughs) Two ways. Two ways on each hand. (laughs) Our marriage could have gone. And obviously it went one of those ways. But I believe that if we were going to make our marriage work, Steve had to embrace this side of him. He needed to be open about it. Like he was just saying, that took the power away. When he and I were able to talk about those things and just have it out there, it wasn't this huge thing that was getting built up in his head or like in his body. I mean, like his soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was something that was out there and that he could express and that he could realize he could love that part of him. And not something that I would just spiral down in my own yeah. thoughts about. And thinking know? and beating himself up about mm-hmm. and focusing on, oh, I'm such a horrible person or, oh, whatever. That was the whole point. I mean, I think that if we had been able to stay in where we had all the support and worked through more of these things, who knows? Maybe we would have stayed married. But that isn't what happened. And that's okay. I mean, that was advice from the counselor who was LDS. Yeah. And, yeah. I really feel like, I mean, I feel like it had, like, I had to come out. I had to. And. Which at this point you had. (laughs) <laughs> on a bigger I mean. scale. <laughs> I oh. needed to embrace I needed okay. to embrace the fact that I am a gay man who needs to live a gay life. <laughs> okay. Gay men should live gay lives. <laughs> okay. That's that's my take on it. Okay. Gay men should not live straight Mormon lives. That's my take. <laughs> that's your take. But that's yes. not for everybody. Right. So That wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> my point is this needed to happen and it could have happened in such an awful way. Yeah. I don't know. I just think the way this all progressed was just kind of laying the groundwork for me to be able to be okay with being gay. To come fully out. To Yeah, to live a gay lifestyle. Are there terms for this? Like partially out and then fully? Terms, <laughs> terms for a Mormon man being out yeah. to his wife? Or yeah. else, no, there are not terms for that. <laughs> Maybe we should come up with some terms. <laughs> Matt's going to work on yeah, that. Yeah, I'll work on that. There's definitely varying degrees of out, and there still are. I'm just curious if there's names for these varying degrees. Yeah, I don't know. What else about Colorado? I feel like we've been on Colorado for a really long time. Matt's sick of Colorado. (laughs) He wants to move on. It was like, well, partially because it was like a very intense time for us. Absolutely. Like there was a lot going on. I've got got that from these last recordings. That This has been a very intense time of your lives. Pivotal time for both of us independently in our own lives Mm -hmm. and our own self-growth and very much for our relationship and very much for me like finally being ready to embrace my gay old self. Gay old gay self. Old. <laughs> <laughs> so at this time we're doing all of these things and basically is what we've just told you. Like the whole time we're in Colorado. And then all of a sudden Steve gets a job offer in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Because how long my did you live career, in Colorado by, at this time? Like a year and a half. A year and a half. I lived there my, for a year and a half. My career path from day one getting into the hotel industry was I wanted to be a general manager of a hotel. And I said that in every interview, every job I took, I was like, I'm interested in this job. I'm applying for this position with the intention of gaining this experience, adding it to my resume, getting some sort of promotion within the next year, year and a half, moving on to the next step, okay. and eventually getting up to be a so, GM. And my company knew this, and they were – so when this opportunity came up, the first general manager position that came up was this one in Oklahoma. What does the org chart look like for a, a hotel chain? <laughs> I'm just trying Give to Give us get how that. you progressed. Okay, well, that's pretty, pretty much typical. anyone that manages a hotel started at the bottom and worked their way up. What's the bottom? Well, for me, I started as accounting clerk for a residence in. Then I was executive housekeeper, managing a housekeeping department, front office manager, operations manager in Belize, director of sales, 
general manager. And so we also knew like part of our plan was to, we'd basically move every year and a half, which is kind of what we planned on. Mm -hmm. But with the intent that after this next general manager position in Oklahoma, then we would get to pick basically where we want it to be. And we're hoping to get back to Idaho. Yeah, we had wanted because to get back Penny, to Because we had Penny and we wanted to be back with family. Yeah. So when the Oklahoma position came up, Steve was like, I'm on it. Yeah. And we actually, I wasn't thrilled about the location. It's Oklahoma City. Yeah, Oklahoma City. We it's a big city. We moved all over. We'd we lived had. a bunch of different places. And before we leave. We were both fine with it. This Colorado stuff. Like, I think we should talk about the fact that we had a kid. Like, we, we yeah. this is where we started our parenting. Like, a huge aspect of our what we did and learned and grew in in Colorado Springs was us bonding with our child and learning to be parents and teaching Penny how to be a human being. (laughs) (laughs) Little human being. It's funny to me how little she's come up in this because she was such a huge part of that. Oh, she was. But just the most natural part. She was not... She was so natural. She was not the heavy stuff. And the looking back, it's funny to me that it's just... Parenting was not as hard as everyone made it sound. I don't know if you... For us. For us. We had a good kid. It just felt very natural. This is something I've honestly believed, and this is religious, so so Steve probably doesn't feel this way, but I honestly have always felt Penny was given to us because she (laughs) is exactly what we needed. We had enough on our plate already. Yes. We needed a really good kid. I honestly believe that. And she still is a pretty dang easy kid. I still believe that, like, I'm able to be a really good dad to Penny, but I do not think I would be a good dad to most kids in the world. (laughs) I would lose it. Yeah. and It's easy to be Penny's dad because she's such a good kid. And so I honestly have always felt and been so grateful that I was given this kid that she was sleeping through the night at six weeks, and she she like she was just an easy. When it came time to potty train, kid. she had like two accidents, and that was yeah. it. And just <laughs> she's smart, and she learned things, and you could like she's friendly and happy, and yeah, and just yeah, and she had her moments. She's had her issues, whatever. Still has, yeah. She still does. But in fact, I think later years have been more of a challenge than the early years. But for but... the most part, she's a pretty easy kid. Yeah, and I've always felt like. That's what I needed, and that's what we needed, and mm-hmm. that's what we are given. Still what I need. And honestly, during <laughs> this time, you know, another interesting thing, as Steve was reading my book that he brought up today, he forgot that we were trying to have another kid. And I was literally at, like, six weeks postpartum. I wanted another baby. Like, I was like, I will take one now. I would be pregnant again right now if I could. Yeah, I don't... You loved being pregnant. I loved being pregnant. We'd waited a long time for this baby and... I think it was all the ginger ale or something. <laughs> I think it was all the it's pool time. Yeah. <laughs> she spent, spent nine months in the pool <laughs> floating around waiting for Penny to come out. <laughs> uh, but that was like another thing. And I also remember very distinctly knowing I would not have another kid. And that I needed to enjoy this baby that I'd been given. And I always have. Like, I've always just tried to soak up Penny. And I've never been able to get pregnant again. It's funny that the way I remember it is that we decided one and done, that we were good with one kid. No. (laughs) That's how I remember it. No, it it was very much like we were ready for another one. We talked about having another one. And then there was this whole, I told you, like, I feel like we're not going to have another kid. We need to enjoy this one. Right. And so maybe that's where you got that. Because if we were going to have another kid, we would have just... (laughs) <laughs> not enjoyed Penny. I know no, what you mean. You know I know what you mean. mean. Like, yes. Like, this is our one... This is this our is one our, opportunity. Yeah, this phase that she's in is only, we're only ever going to get it once. We're going to experience this once, yeah. and so we need to enjoy that. And we did. We had tons of fun with her, and we continue to have fun with her, but... And I am so glad that we just have Penny, like... It just it. worked out perfect, and... Oh, I really think it was very well planned. Just She's just the best <laughs> kid for us. Yeah. For our this scenario and for the three of for us. For me as her dad and yeah, you as her mom easy. and you as her stepdad, Matt. And I mean, she's got her moments. I know, Matt. Oh, it's easy, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt and Penny like to mess with each other. Yeah, we do. They like to tease each other. Somehow you came up the other day in conversation and uh, she, she just laughed and said, <laughs> I love Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have fun. So Steve gets this job offer. This is what I remember of this. And you were like, all right, we're going. And it wasn't like a really point of discussion. It was just like, this is the next move. I felt very much like 
the decision has already been made. It was already we made. Didn't have a say. I knew I would support Steve in whatever he decided, but I remember feeling very much like you were hesitant to leave Colorado Springs. I was so very as was I hesitant. I remember it as being like a serious debate of like. Maybe this was just me debating in my head. I guess I should have I think been it, probably th- doing it verbally with my wife. But. I think I can compare this. This is like when I want to buy a new car. <laughs> like, I think that in my head we have this really deep discussion between Jessica <laughs> and I. But in all reality, she doesn't care. She'll go wherever I decide to buy a car. I had drinks with your car salesman <laughs> last night, by the way. You did? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so... Your, uh, whatever you call him, your husband-in-law came in the other day with your daughter, <laughs> car shopping. I'm like, yeah, he wants a truck. It's <laughs> uh, funny. It was funny. So, yeah, this was a very, like, I remember being in a lot of turmoil about this move. I was, too. I More very much so than was. I ever had been. It was really made me nervous. We had, I remember talking about the fact that, yeah. do we want to leave this? Like, we have never... Yep had ourselves set up better for success of our scenario with this much support and this much, you know, all the good things we had going. And, you know, do we trade that away for a career opportunity? Which we did. We made the decision to move to Oklahoma. That's what our first episode was called. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Things get real crazy in Oklahoma. All right, you guys, we have some exciting news that we want to share with you. If you are hearing this, that means that my book is now available and it is free. We just ask that you pay shipping. We have a limited number of them, so get over there and check it out right now at it's not you, it's me book.com. Again, it's not you. It's me book.com. We really want you guys to be bold and join us on this journey to self love. And as you do so, this book and my journal that you can pick up with the book will help you do that. So go check it out and get your free book today. Hey, everyone, for the takeaway this week, we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves. We change, our bodies change. Things change, and so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way, no matter what phase of life. And don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing. You pay attention to what feels right for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law, and if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you. 